0: You know, it's such a powerful thing. I know that um, we said it a lot of times, but it's so powerful just to let the word be the word, isn't it? Yeah, this is awesome. I just was listening, because you can hear all over our building, and I walked out the back and walked across the way, and there's a bunch of volunteers down there standing with their Bibles open. There's a overflow. It's got way more than 400 people in it. It's hot as heck in there. So, God bless you, and we'll figure that out. (laughs) People just standing up with their Bibles open, reading. Looped out of there and looked down in the ovals. It's full of people standing up with their Bibles open and reading. And I'm like, what happened? There are people in the house of God with the Word of God open, standing, reading the Word of God. I think we've come back to the future. This is like a really, really awesome thing. And this chapter tonight. This chapter tonight is just full. You know, you're like 71 verses. You know, good luck with that. And it's, but it's really a simple thought. It's a simple thought. And it's a challenging thought tonight. I struggle with the word. How many of you have the word for tonight? You're really confident about what the word for tonight is. Uh, Anybody? Thank you so much. This is a very, uh, very responsive opening few minutes here. I really love that. Um, Not one single person thinks they have the word for tonight. We've been journeying through six chapters. We've sort of summarized each chapter with a word The first chapter was the word, word. The second chapter, chapter two, Gospel of John was miracle, first miracle of Jesus and resurrection all woven together. The third chapter was life. If anybody from Illinois gets this, we'll give you extra credit. Um, The fourth chapter was worship. And then last week, the word believe. believe. And then tonight, we're going to try to wrap our hearts around a word, but it's like, what word? do you come up with? There are two beautiful stories in John chapter 6 that anybody who like got drug near vacation Bible school when they were a little kid knows two things happen in the Bible. One of them is that Jesus fed 5,000 people, and that's a pretty powerful story. That's the way John 6 opens, and as it opens, Jesus is on a roll, so to speak, Not his own personal role, but the the community thinks he's got it rolling because he's just been doing amazing things. As as Darren helped us see so powerfully last week, news has spread from the pool at Bethesda that a guy was healed, a crippled guy for 38 years is made whole. And so the news is spreading. Remember a few verses before a ruler's son got healed, the news is spreading. A few verses before Jesus is in Samaria talking to the wrong person at the wrong time in the wrong place, breaking all the rules, and people go, this guy's like a rebel, this is awesome, and the news is spreading. And so Jesus' reputation is like crescendoing. And people are showing up. That's what it says in John chapter 6. It says the crowds are coming, and the reason they're coming is because Jesus is healing the sick. It doesn't necessarily give us the insight that they were sick or that they were necessarily bringing the sick. It kind of makes you feel from the context that they were coming just to watch the show. And there was a ton of them flocking to Jesus, now, in this particular case, he sees what's going on, and you know, Jesus has a different mentality toward the crowd than most men do. When Jesus would see the crowd, he'd go the other way. You know, he wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, look how many people are coming. Guys, get out there and count them because we got to turn this in. This is going to look really amazing. We had 5,000 today, and I can go to some of the other prophets in town and say, how many did you have? We had 5,000, at least men, maybe more. But when he saw the crowd coming, he sort of always would pull back. And in this particular case, when the chapter opens, he's moving away and the crowd is coming behind him. They're not letting him off the hook because his momentum is at full bloom and people want to see the show. They want to see the stuff. He sees them coming, and I love this moment. I've loved this moment so much, and I'm not going to teach on this tonight because it's just, it's not the core of where we're trying to get to. I'll come back to it, but he sees them coming, and he looks at his followers. You know, he's got these guys that are just piecing it together. They're barely like on board with what's going on, but imagine having your life turned around for being a fisherman one day and, you know, hanging out with Jesus the next day, and he turns to the, to the crowd, and he looks at one of his followers, and he goes, these guys are coming, and they don't realize it's getting dark, and uh, they're going to have to eat, how are you going to feed them? How are you going to feed them? And it says that Jesus asked him that question already knowing what he had in mind. That's just a little mini message tonight for everyone, for me and for you, that God, when we get into that testing moment, he already knows what he has in mind. And some of you are up against an insurmountable gap tonight and God isn't trying to figure it out. He's not calling the council of heaven together. He's not gonna gather the, 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 the wise ones. He already has in mind what he's gonna do. And he said to his followers, knowing what he was gonna do, what are you gonna do? And they were like, we don't have a clue what we're gonna do. And man, this is one of those things I want on DVD because they f- somehow saw a kid who had a-, a lunch, a small lunch with him. Like maybe he's in a little lunch bag or a lunch box or that somehow word got back, that kid's got a lunch. And the lunch wasn't huge, but it was something. And they were scrambling because Jesus had put the pressure on him. What are you gonna do? So they come bringing his kid up there. Imagine, you're a kid. You were smart. You were forward thinking. Maybe he remembered last time we went out to see this Jesus dude, we stayed half the night because he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And so he just stuffed five little barley rolls and two little fish in his bag and said, I'll be ready. You know, those people that are here tonight, they've got food for six or eight in their purse right now. You know who they are, you know? Uh, one of those is in our family and uh, my niece, I won't mention any names, but Ainsley's always got like enough food for like a couple of meals in the bag, you know, a very large bag. And so maybe the kid was thinking that way. And when they, they saw the kid's stuff, they bring him up to Jesus. Imagine a you know, little kid, we got this kid. It's like, way to go, guys. That was a good move. That was a lot of rules broken right there in, in ministry to children. <laughs> but that's what they had. We've got this. And Jesus said, Great, give it to me. And then he just did what he does he prayed a prayer, busted the loaf. And he started handing it back to his disciples. And this would have taken a very long time because he handed them back enough food to feed all the people. And so much left over that they gathered 12 baskets of food when everybody had eaten. I mean, this is crazy. When I was growing up here in the city, we had a big Easter play And I mentioned to you before being in it, Andy and I always would get in it as shepherds. And then one day we got promoted to uh, the malefactors, which is a bigger word for the thieves on the cross. I don't know why they didn't just call us thieves on the cross, but in the program it said malefactor one, which was me, and malefactor two, which was Andy. And they gave us those roles based on our performance in high school and the way we were acting around the youth group (laughs) is how we got those two jobs. And People would come, and they'd be like, I saw you were in the thing. You were a a mala, mala, what, a mala fact? what what is a mala? And I'm like, it's a malefactor. It's not a word we use a lot, but it means a thief on the cross. So why don't they just put thief on the cross in there? But eventually, you know, we, we graduated up to that role. But my favorite part of the, the play every year, you're thinking it was the crucifixion, the big moment. I wasn't that spiritual back then. I was kind of a malefactor. But it, I, I, loved, I loved the feeding of the 5,000. Because Jesus would take the bread and he would hold it up and he would say, Lord, thank you for this little boy's lunch and we just commit it to you and he broke the bread and when he did, everyone in the choir who were the actors in the play, they all had the robes and the costumes on and everybody had like six loaves of bread taped up under their costume. And so when he broke the bread, people just started busting loaves of bread loose from up under the robes, you know, and they just started slipping them out the side and the front and the back. And I mean, just instantly, it was a bread explosion all over the Civic Center, and it looked really like a miracle. I mean, it really did. The first time, if you didn't go to all eight showings, the first time you kind of went, wow, That's impressive, but what was really cool was the two acts before that when everybody had all the bread under their clothes, and I just loved that. And the before thing, people are taping loaves of bread and stuffing them in hose, you know, and it was just awesome. I went, this is is beautiful, but when Jesus did it, nobody pulled any bread out. It had never been done before. And people marveled at it. Imagine if it was you. I mean, this beats Netflix. This beats everything going. And you're like, where's he showing up again? Let's go see that again. And the kids are like, mom, dad, can we please go to the Jesus thing again tonight? Because that was incredible. Oh, you know, Ronnie went down there with a snack and all of a sudden there was all the food and everybody ate and we ate and we ate and we ate and everybody got full. It was like, this is the best thing ever. The dude does miracles. There's free food. Everybody gets full. There's even leftovers. This is amazing. Let's do this again next week. And that's what was going on the whole time. Look at a couple of the verses as this chapter opens up. This is the story as John 6 gets lifted. It's a story about the swelling crowds coming to him. Verse five, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming, he said to Philip. And then look a little further verse down to verse 24. It says, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus, Jesus. Now, the second story that Shelley and uh, Daniel read was a story about Jesus walking on the water. And so he does the bread thing. He pulls away again. He doesn't stay in the crowd to play the crowd. He pulls away from the crowd because he's not ready to completely reveal who he is yet. He's trying not to like completely pull the curtain back and say to the world, yes, I'm the one you're looking for. So he's giving hints, he's doing miracles, he's teaching, but he's not ready yet to pull the whole thing on display. And so he slips away, it says again. His disciples get in a boat, they head across the Sea of Galilee to Uh, Capernaum and as they go away he stays behind but eventually he says I'm gonna get out of here they're in the middle here's how this story goes down they're in the middle of Capernaum they're in this boat The winds kick up, the storm kicks up, and they kind of get that thing going on like, oh my gosh, it's nighttime, It's, it's dark now, the storm's blowing in, and the Sea of Galilee is notorious for these quick turn storms. They come out of nowhere and blow up and explode, sink your boat, and then they go away, and one of those things is blowing up, the storm is blowing in, and Jesus decides, I'll go out there because they're freaking out, and so he walks out there. Isn't that awesome? I mean, he walks out there. He doesn't say, I gotta get a boat and some people to row really fast because I got a head start. He just walks out there, and when he gets out there, they completely freak out, to which I go, no kidding. He is in the middle of it all, walking toward them, and finally, and they're there's more scared of him than they are of the waves at that point, point. and he says, it's me, and they're like, oh, awesome. Get in. And when he gets in, the scripture says they were immediately at their destination. That's crazy. So now here they are all over here on this side of the lake. All the people are still on that side of the lake asking what happened to the show. And finally this word travels back. The show's moved on to Capernaum. Well, let's get to Capernaum. And they all load their boats. (laughs) And they're hauling across the Sea of Galilee. Let's get over there. He's going to do something before we get there. He's going to feed them before we get there. All the bread's going to be gone when we get there. Hurry up, Johnny. Oh, row, row, row. Come on, let's go. Let's get ahead of that other boat. Let's get to the show. People are coming like crazy. Because supposedly the show is amazing. And when you get to the middle of this chapter, Jesus is done. If you ever wanted to know if Jesus has a breaking point, he did, and he did, and this is it. And he says, okay, I'm done. I'm done with the show, and I'm done with the hype, and I'm done with all these crowds, and I'm done with this momentum thing that's going on. I'm just going to tell everybody the way it is. And they get there, and here it comes in verse 25. He says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now you read back in the text, they realize the disciples left in one boat and there wasn't another boat that left, so they know Jesus somehow got there. He wasn't in the boat with the disciples, so now they're buzzing while they're rowing. He walked to Capernaum. He, how did he get to Capernaum? Nobody knows that we got there. So the first thing they wanna know when they arrive is, how did you get here and when did you get here? Because some people think, They saw you walking out on the lake. Did you walk on the lake? That's what they wanna know. Tell us more about the show. Maybe even since we got here late. Could you walk on the water again? Could you do that again? That would be awesome if you do that again. Could you walk back over and then walk back since we're all here now? Could you walk and get in our boat? And Jesus is not interested in their question. He's ready now to disclose it all. And he says, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me Not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So we're reaching back now to last Sunday night, and we're reaching back right into that moment of a 38 years worth of crippling life. And we're reaching right back into the word that we all rallied around, believe, You know, it led me this week just to to send out a a little tweet, not for you, but more just for for me, just saying it out loud. Oh, to believe all that I say I believe. And that's what I walked out of here with last Sunday night. Oh, to believe all that I say that I believe, because I say I believe a lot. But then when you translate that down into to worry or stress or anxiety or effort or trying or or conflict or whatever the little things are that start chipping away at my heart and start chipping away at your heart, then you kind of realize, I maybe don't believe everything I say I believe. And Jesus is coming right back. It's as if he knew what words we were gonna summarize the text with. He's coming right back and he's pulling believe out of chapter five and he's putting it right in the middle of chapter six, and he says, this is the thing God is asking of you. This is what he's asking of me tonight. These, these are the works that God wants us to be about. And he said, it is to believe in the one that God has sent. And before we walk out of this community of faith tonight, that's gonna be the moment for me and for you is to step with everything we've got without fear. And fear is gonna rise up tonight. Fear is gonna, it's gonna make a rally tonight. If it's not already in front and center, it's gonna make a rally tonight. And it's gonna come around us and it's gonna say, you can't make that step. You can't believe that much. You can't go that far. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you can Yes, you can, because this is the work God wants us to be about, and that is to believe. And that's not just a salvation prayer. It's not just I came to a moment and put my faith and trust in Jesus. It certainly is a part of that, but it's bigger than that. And so verse 30, of course, they're not getting this. And so they say to him, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? I mean, what idiots? I'm just reading that, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I mean, that sounds like a blogger wrote that. That sounds crazy. You know, it's like, oh, really? Well, then what miraculous signs can you show us? Well, hello, I just walked over here, thank you very much, (laughs) across the lake where I just took a kid's lunch and fed you. Remember that part? Do you remember the crippled guy at the pool? Do you remember the little boy who had died? Do you remember... the water into wine and every other sick person I'd healed in between and everything that's not chronicled in the gospels. You remember all that and you're asking me to do something else to prove to you that I'm worth your trust? Really? Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine coming to God and saying, God, I I just need you to do this. And if you'll do that, I'll, I'll trust you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine praying a prayer like that? God, I, you know, if, you, if you'll do this, then, then I'll believe you. Can you imagine that? These people, I'm like, who, who are these people? I was like, oh, that's me. Okay, I got it, I got it, yeah. Okay, I'm in there with you now. What will you do? And then they did the unthinkable. Do you know, this is so revealing for us all tonight. They did the unthinkable. They they dared him on the past. They said, Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. Now, how many of you remember manna? You remember those days back when we were coming out of Egypt and we didn't have any food and we complained against God because we didn't have food? And he just drowned the whole uh, Egyptian army in the Red Sea. That was pretty impressive right there. I mean, all of them, the whole chariots and the horses and the fighting force of Egypt, the Pharaoh and all of his might, they went down to the bottom of the sea. They wrote the first worship course, by the way. It's only one of two courses that Chris hasn't written, but they wrote the first worship chorus for the church. And it was that song, um, I will sing unto the Lord, that's the, kind of what we made out of it because the horse and the rider fell into the sea. And they sang that song, they saw that deliverance, they saw that miracle, and just like days later they went. So Moses, what's the plan, man? You mean like God led us out here and we're gonna starve out here in the the middle of this wilderness? Seriously, is that what this was about? One good enough to kill us in Egypt, he wanted to bring us all the way out here and kill us? Is that what's going on? And Moses is like... Ha, ha ha ha, the Red Sea, the miracles, the deliverance, remember all that? And they're like, no, we don't remember any of that. We remember that we're hungry. And so Moses is like, God, they're complaining up a storm about being hungry. And God's like, oh yeah, they're hungry, that's right. Okay, well, here's the way this is gonna work they'll get quail at night, every night. Hope you like quail. If you don't like quail, you'll learn to like it. It's 40 years, so you'll get over it in time. <laughs> If it's that quail from Papacito's, that's pretty good quail right there. So that could be good if it was that. And that butter sauce garlic stuff you dip it in, that'd be awesome. You could eat rocks with that if you just had the butter (laughs) sauce. And he said, in the morning, you'll come out and the ground will be covered with bread. So sure enough, the next morning, um, when the, the dew went off the ground, underneath it were these flakes of white that were crazy and nobody ever seen anything like it before. And the literal translation of the word is, they said, "What is it?" That word translates to manna. What is it? And Moses said, "It's your food for the day. Gather it up, put it in a jar. Don't take more than a day's worth, and eat it. Every person take this much, and every day for." 40 years, the manna came down from heaven. And so when he says, believe in the one God has sent, they say, what are you going to do as a miracle? And then they pull the past out. Well, our forefathers ate manna in the wilderness. Can you top that? Can, Can you do that? I mean, can you step up to that level? Jesus is like, yeah, sure. Our forefathers ate the man in the desert. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus turning, verse 32, I tell you the truth. When he says that, by the way, that's always just the writer trying to help us understand that Jesus' tone has raised just slightly in this part of the conversation. I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven. So A, it wasn't Moses feeding your forefathers, so let's just get that straight. It's not a person here that you should be depending on. It's not Moses who gives the bread, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life To the world. And they say, Sir, then from now on, give us this bread. And he says, Yes, exactly. Here it comes, verse 35. I've held off as long as I can. I am the bread of life. He just pulls it all out at that moment. He's like, okay, we're done here with Moses and your forefathers and what did happen and what might not happen and whether I'm gonna do another thing and all this stuff. Here's the story. Everybody, can I get your attention? I am the bread of life. The whole story has been about me. The reason they got manna is because of me. The reason God didn't give them you know, corn on the cob was because that didn't look good as a translation to me. So it was bread back then. So it's bread up here. It's manna from heaven. What is it? It's me come down from God. What is it? Which is what they were asking right then. Who are you? What can you do? What what, what is it? And he's like, I'll tell you what it is. I am the bread of life. That's what it is. I am it. I am everything you've heard about, read about, dreamed about, prayed about, waited for, longed for, I am all of it. It is all about me, and I am here. I am standing right in front of you right now. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me, and still you do not believe. You know, when I got to that part of this chapter this week, it just, it stopped me in my tracks. Because it, right in the heels of, you know, the narrative, which is the, the cool things that are happening, Jesus starts talking, and as Jesus starts talking, he says, I am the bread of life. I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna tell you what I'm about right now. If you come to me, you'll never go, go hungry. And if you come to me, you'll never be thirsty. I'm that good. I mean, that's what a bold statement. I'm that good. Uh, and that's big for him to say that because how big's your hunger? Huge. How big's your thirst? Enormous. How big is our need? Our need is gigantic tonight. And Christ standing right in front of him going, I am the bread of life. I satisfy the longings of the human heart. And here's the problem though. I'm standing right here and you don't believe in me. And I went, you know what, this is not about the gospel, this is not about back then, this is not about people struggling with the Jewish tradition and the the revealed Christ or the Old Testament, Israeli build up, and now the Jesus Christ, Son of God flesh. This is really all people, isn't it? This is you and me, this is everybody who's heard it all before, who's been around it a lot of us before, who's seen the show before, but at the same point have that that moment of decision in our heart to say, but do I really believe in you do I really believe in you and these guys they wanted manna in a jar and Jesus said I got something else for you it's called God in your heart do you want manna in a jar or do you want God in your heart because I'm here to be God in your heart and he goes into this long teaching that I won't trace back through because it was read so well for us, but it's that part where I feel like I need to put the footnote at the bottom and say, no, we're not a cult, you know, because it's that passage that when it's read, you're like, ouch, ooh, ah, ooh, drink my blood, eat my flesh. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have a part with me if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood. So you got to drink my blood and eat my flesh. You're like, all right, we get it, we get it, you know, we're, we're on board. And, you know, sometimes the outside world's looking at you are like, yeah, 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 let me tell you what that means means really fast, and it's obvious what it means. Jesus isn't really doing here a huge build up to prop communion up, as much as communion is already elevated in scripture to a permanent place in the community of faith. What Jesus is doing is saying, in the same way those cats ate the manna, you gotta eat me. In the same way that their very lives were dependent on something that fell down out of the sky, your very life is dependent on me. In the same way that every morning when they opened the curtain or the the little door to the tent and looked out and saw, as the scripture says in Exodus 16, glory on the ground, your morning starts with waking up and opening the door to the tent and seeing that there's glory on the ground. In the very same way that they made it through a wilderness, for 40 years with what came from the hands of God you're gonna make it through a wilderness for 40 years with what comes from the hands of God it's not about eating stuff you put in a jar it's about living with Jesus who's inside your heart and that's the manna that has come to trump all other manna I am the bread of life and those guys eating that manna guess what they died but whoever eats of me will never ever die Jesus said over and over and over in this chapter, but we'll have eternal life and will never, ever die. And he's saying, do you believe in me? Let's leave them for a little bit, because they were clueless, idiots. And let's come to me and ask of you, but do you believe In me. At the end of this chapter, this is where it all turned around. At the beginning of the chapter, it was a stampede, they were coming in boats. They were coming in droves. They were coming whole families. They were giddy. They were happy. They were fired up. They couldn't wait to see what Jesus was gonna do. At the end of the chapter, guess what? Huge turnaround and all the crowds are exiting. All the crowds are drifting back to their houses. Shows over, people, because it's really not about uh, the healings and the walking on the waters. I can do that. I have that power and I still do have that power. But what I'm really trying to get across is there's a bigger thing going on in your heart and I am the life for what's going on inside of you. I am the bread of life for what's going on in the internal part of who you are. And when Jesus said to them, it all comes down to this, you gotta eat my flesh. You gotta believe so much that you know that I am your sustenance. And when it got down to that, A, they were struggling, and I, I understand why. They knew he was Joseph's kid. They were like, You Joseph's kid. What do you mean you came down out of heaven? How'd you come down out of heaven? He's like, well, I would tell you that, but science hasn't advanced far enough along for you to even understand basic things yet, so it'd be hard for me to explain the miraculous conception, but it was awesome. <laughs> I was miraculously Transplanted into a human cell by the power of God in a virgin's womb. Okay, who so how, how, who who are you? You mean we? You mean it's you? It's not the stuff, the show. It's you. Translation, you mean it's not the, the deal. It's really Jesus. Yeah. And it's possible to come to the show and to miss the bread by which you never thirst. And when it got down to just him, they all walked away. And he looked at his followers. And he said, we all thinking now, they're like, this is not cool. I mean, we were it. We had the deal. I mean, we had buzz and the press and all the stuff. And I mean, you were the biggest thing going. And now look, everybody's leaving. Why'd you share that message? Why? What was up with that? All that drink my blood and eat my flesh business. People are leaving. You're losing them. Look at them going, they're just leaving. And he said, I know, what about you? You're gonna go too? At the end of the day, what he really wanted to know right then and there, he, I, 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 he, he, was, uh, he came to give his life for all those people in those crowds, but he, didn't, he wasn't thinking about them in this moment. He wanted to know, do these guys, do they see? Because he said that in this chapter that God gives the ability for people to see him. And he wanted to know if they were seeing him. He said, you guys out of here too? of course, one of them, no surprises, spoke up and said, where would we go? And listen to his answer. Only you have the words of eternal life. (laughs) Where, Where else would we go? Nobody has the words of eternal life but you. And then he backed it up with this second phrase. He said, we believe. We've been talking. We've been talking this whole time. We believe you're the Holy One sent from God. We are here. And Jesus said, well, most of you are. He's not because me and him got a thing coming up. But the rest of you, good answer. (laughs) Good answer, the rest of you. They called him a devil. I mean, that's just I mean, that's right, right out there, you know. He's, he's a devil. Now, the rest of you guys, that's <laughs> awesome. So here's what I think we, we're, we're coming to tonight. I think the word of this chapter, which rose up and knocked out the contenders for me and became the dominant theme, hour by hour, literally over weeks, just rose up and became the dominant theme in my heart is the word enough Jesus is word he is a miracle worker he is life He is the one who touches us to the way that amazing worship comes to him and changes the world around us. He is the one we believe in, and Jesus is enough, and that's what he's trying to get across to you and me in this moment. And here's the thing I think he wants to zero in on tonight for us. He's enough for all of us who feel like the past is still somehow got a hold on the future. When these guys saw Jesus, they immediately went default mode like sometimes we do, and they immediately went backwards and not forwards. You got Jesus standing in front of you, the first thing you want to do is take a step forward. You might want to bow down first, you might want to kneel down first, but once you do that, you want to take a step forward. But as soon as Jesus was revealed to them, they started going back. They went a thousand years back to manna. They never ate manna. Their dad never ate manna. Their granddad never ate manna. Their great-great-granddaddy never ate manna. They didn't have a clue about manna. They just had heard the story and heard the reputation that man. There was a day there was manna. Well, guess what? The manna wasn't all that great. And About forty years worth of manna, people were sick of manna. But they didn't get that part. They just got the manna part. Moses did manna. What can you do? And Jesus is like, Moses did manna. I am manna. That's what I can do. He uh, asked God for manna, and then God gave the manna. And I am God, so I gave the manna. I was the one every morning for forty years that gave the manna. That was my job. I did manna in the morning and quail at night for about thirty. Million people. I did that. And now I'm here standing in front of you in flesh and blood to say to you, I am the manna. So, what is it? It is I am. I am it. I am the Son of the living God come down out of heaven. I am the bread of life. That's who I am. Do you want something in a jar? Because the stuff in a jar you can't keep overnight. Some of you are holding on to the past, and I'm telling you, it's manna and it stinks. He told them, don't keep it overnight. So what what did they do? They immediately went and kept it overnight, just like you would. I would have. Moses said, don't keep it overnight, but hello, what does Moses know? He stutters, and we can't even understand him good, so I'm going to keep it overnight, right? And so they kept it overnight, and the next day, they got it. They said, look, it's still in the jar, and they took the lid off the jar, and maggots were in it. Do you know what maggots do? You ever done that, something died at your house, and maggots? Where do maggots come from? Who sends out the message, maggots, something died? Come, quick, come, hurry, something's dead, some place for you to live and dwell and have your offspring. I mean, what a crazy, gross, awful thought. And in the stuff, we're maggots, and they're like, oh. I God told you not to keep it overnight. Some of us are holding on to the good old days. And Jesus is saying, that's man in a jar. And the future is standing right in front of you reach for me and I'll lead you into a place that'll blow Moses' manna out of the water. But for others of us tonight, the word that the Spirit kept just lifting up was the word inadequate. Because if Jesus is enough, he's trying to, push himself into the center of the equation as being enough, then he must understand that there's a sense of not enough so that we would need enough. So if I spend my life trying to convince myself that there's not a not enough in me, then I'm never gonna get enough. If I'm living in, oh, I'm fine, and I don't have a not not I have a not not enough, not a not enough, I mean, I, oh, I, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Look at me, I'm fine, I'm doing good. I'm holding it all together. I put on a good face. I've, I've built a nice little you know, exterior around me so people can't really see the inside of me. I've, I've only put myself in situations where I know I can at least marginally succeed. I never put myself in situations where I might be challenged or I might fail. I never really step out in places where I might sink because I don't, I know I would sink, so I just stay on the shore. I've basically been living on the shore for a while, and I'm just kind of creating a world where there's not not enough. And Jesus is going, well, I am enough, and the only way enough works is if there's not enough, because if there's not not enough, then you really don't need enough, so I might as well just stayed up in heaven. I might as well just send a card that said, hey, I gave the man in case anybody ever wanted to know. Love Jesus. Don't keep it overnight. (laughs) But Jesus came to say, the manna wasn't enough that you put in a jar, but I am. The past that you're hanging on to, the glory days, the good old days, the way back there days, the when it was different days, that's not enough, but I am. And then he's saying to us tonight, and if there's anything in you that feels like inadequate, guess what? I'm here, and my name is enough. He told two stories, and both stories were about people in inadequate situations. There's no way you're feeding all those people. Good luck trying. And there's high probability that you're not making it to the other side of this lake tonight. And into two inadequate moments, Jesus came. Not to show the crowd that they got their money's worth, but to show his followers and then to teach us that he was enough. And I just wonder if there's anybody tonight that would have a situation like Jesus is here, but you're reaching back, maybe not a thousand years, but six or 26, and the six years of the 26 years are saying to you right now, you're inadequate. You are not good enough, and you are going to fail. You're gonna fail. You're gonna fail as a wife. You're gonna fail as a, teacher. You're going to fail if you step into that environment. You're going to fail if you stand on that water. You are going to fail if you take that chance. You, you're going to fail if you think that you're going to step to a new level of faith. You're going to fail. And maybe that's because you came out of a whirlwind of inadequacy not your own, but all the whirlwind of inadequacy around you, and somehow it just got down inside your heart, and at the end of the day, it sort of became the thing that informed you about who you were, and you thought, the future for me is gonna be a rerun of the past, and where I came from, things were broken down, and things didn't work, and things never worked out right, and things never ended up where they're supposed to be, and I've got all this sense of dysfunction inside of me that says, I'm not good enough, I'm not gonna measure up, I'm really not even worthy of trying to measure up. And what I think Jesus is saying is it's okay to feel that way. It's all right to feel like all that junk is coming down on your back. But he's saying, but look forward and look at me because I'm telling you, I am here and I am adequate. So it's not even a question of whether you are or not, I am adequate. If you're facing a situation that looks impossible for you, guess what? I'll take five loaves and two fish and I'll do a miracle. If you're in the middle of a storm and you think your boat's going under, guess what? I walk on your challenges and struggles. I walk on your cancer. I walk on your joblessness. I walk on your past and your family dysfunction. I walk on top of it. I walk right out on the waves and right. He didn't walk on a little path. You know, they they put a little path parted through the storm and he came through. He walked right on the storm. He walks on our challenges as if they were a pathway for him to reach our boat. And when he gets there, it usually freaks us out. And a lot of people like being in the boat in the storm better than seeing him standing there. But when God opens our eyes and we go, Jesus, you are here. You are standing on my challenge. You are standing on my storm. You are standing on my storm. The same thing that's going to sink me, you're standing on it. You're good. You are good. Get in the boat. Come on into my world. Come into my belief. Come into my faith. Come into my confidence. So now, my confidence isn't, I'm gonna walk on the storm. Look, I'm gonna walk on the storm. My confidence is Jesus is inside of me. I don't have man in a jar. I got God in my heart, and the God in my heart walks on storms. He walked to me on a storm. He came to me on top of waves. This guy rules it all, and he is enough. He is adequate And he is mine He's my God So when Jesus came to the end And he looked at his guys And he said you see this This is me This is me Broken for you They were like, oh wow, eat his bread, drink his flesh, believe in him, adequate enough. Forget man in a jar, Jesus is here. How do you get Jesus? He's gonna break his body for us. And when he lifted up the cup and he said, this is my blood and through it all the sins of the world will be forgiven, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that cup went around the table and they're going, do you remember that day? When we were at and we went, Capernaum. Remember when he came out in the night on the boat and he got in the boat and then we went over there and those people were yelling at him about the manna. And he said, forget the manna. Remember that time he told that guy, you lose the manna, bro? I'm the bread of life. Remember that? And he said, remember we all the people started leaving? He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, eat my flesh. And we were like, what in the world is he talking about? All the people are leaving Jesus. And now the cross is right in front of them. And the sacrifice is right in front of them. And they're like, oh. It's not eat the literal body of Jesus. And it's not drink the literal blood of Jesus. It's put your hope in the sacrifice of Jesus that brings us every day Life. Manna came in the morning. And if you don't eat his flesh and drink his blood in the morning, you're done. Manna came down from heaven, not up from us. And if you don't receive it in the morning, you're toast. It was glory on the ground when the tent. Door opened and it was only good for the day. You can't live off tonight all this week, and God never intended for you to. You can't live off the show you gotta make it all the way to Jesus. And when the alarm goes off for a lot of us, the music it's playing is the song of the past. And before we even get out of the bed, it's dragging us back into inadequate world and telling us we'll never be good enough to accomplish and live in the dreams that God has placed in our hearts. And Jesus is saying, good morning, I love you forget about Moses and the manna in a jar. I am here and I have prepared breakfast for you today. Are you ready? And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. I have a loaf for you today. It's called adequate bread. And it's me. And I in you will be everything you need me to be. And I have a cup of wine for you today. It's... The blood I shed for you, and it is the proof and the guarantee today that I am enough. So, have a, a loaf of adequate and have a drink of enough, and let's walk out the door together with you having a newfound confidence that I am not stuck in a story that's a thousand years old, but I am attached to a Jesus who is the living bread of life come down from heaven, and I am eating and feasting on him and believing in him every step of this day, more adequate, thank you very much. I'll have another drink of enough, thank you very much. Oh yeah, you think so? I'm just gonna have another snack of adequate if you don't mind, and another drink of enough. If it, you, Oh, you don't think so, Satan? You think that's my future? Well, just watch this. Come on, Jesus, be adequate in me. I believe you. I'm gonna have another toast of enough because Jesus is enough for me to get me to where God wants me to be. And that's the beauty, that's the beauty, that's the beauty. And you can stand right there and not believe it. Or you can say, not adequate, enough, I'm coming for you.